listening to Chill Time with Will Moore. What's good? What's happening? How y'all doing? You know what I always say. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is your host, William Moore, and this is Chill Time is Will Time. And I'm coming in at y'all from the nation's capital, right on the hill, recording today from uh, the Higher Regency on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. And then with my guy, my best friend, um, a guy that I've, you know, I've talked about several times on a podcast, and uh, definitely a guy I had to connect with when I got here in town. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself, cuz? Hey, I'm Vince. Uh, I want to thank you for coming through to D.C. I appreciate it. Uh, let's get in. That's what's up. So now it's on and popping, man. So what's been up with you, man? Man, how's 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 the DC life? Now you, what? It's two years removed, two and a half years removed from right. the Twin Cities. Right. You're here grinding it out, working. Um, I definitely know it's a different lifestyle, especially weather-wise. You know, here it was 60 here yesterday, uh, and it's like a negative 30 up in the Twin Cities right now. I know you don't miss that. Tell me, tell me what's happening. Right. Well, if we're gonna get into the weather, I mean, there's no equity for that. You know, <laughs> you you think. You think doing I'm uh, it's like prison term doing my uh, my twenty years in I banked that into some sort of you know gene mutation where I could handle anything but you know I literally within six months of being here I'm complaining about forty degrees you know what I'm ashamed to admit that you got to be you have to be ashamed because I've been loving it. I've been walking around with no coat on I've been you know what I'm saying I got the silk pants on with loafers and no socks. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm doing what it do. I, I'm just saying, Minnesota makes a man out of you. You know, when it comes to the weather, I'm, I'm feeling a little bougie out here. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm not going to lie. You can dig it. So, uh, Vince here is, um, is a graphic designer by trade. He's into marketing, branding. And one of the things that I definitely wanted to get on here and talk with him about is uh, just his craft in general. Because one thing that him and I have talked about, you know, during you know phone conversations and text conversations from time to time is... You know, when he was applying his trade up in the Twin Cities, you know, he did. He was doing well, and, he, you know, he got a, had a little, you know, kind of had a collaborative and stuff going on up there. But now he's in D.C., a totally different vibe, totally different area. You know what I'm saying? In the Chocolate City where you have, uh, man, like a, just a wealth of, of young black professionals here. Unlike, I mean, I'm not going to say unlike in Minnesota. There's plenty in, in Minnesota. But the vibe's completely different. But I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you really, uh, you know, illuminate that for everybody. Tell everybody the, you know, the vibe that you get from now being here, resident in D.C. for a couple of years, compared to how it was in the Twin Cities. And then also, um, what the creative scene is like here versus being in the Twin Cities. Got you. So you know, the word I'm using is abundance. So it's not like this has anything that. Minneapolis and Minnesota was lacking like especially especially when it comes to the the black professional community like we were in that we knew a lot of those people yep, yep. here there's just an abundance of it and that's really inspiring because this is a, a city for hustlers you know everybody comes to DC they do their two to five years and they get it in you know you got people from all over the world with advanced degrees doing impactful things and everybody's kind of about their business and that's really inspiring and i wanted to be somewhere that inspired me like where i came from but in abundance and i never take for granted the fact that i'm in a city like dc where i'm a high achieving brother and i'm not unique you know yeah yeah i'm i'm being inspired every day by other brothers younger than me older than me doing even more important things and that's really what it's about and it's helped, you know, kind of elevate me, especially in my craft. And when you talk about the creative community here, I mean, 
it's it's maybe outside of like New York and San Francisco and LA, some of these bigger cities, like the diversity here really helps influence that creativity because I'm not just talking about the, the African-American scene here. There's a huge diaspora community um, from all over uh, Africa and the Caribbean. There's people from all over the world. So you're getting Brazilian influences and just all these different cultural inflections that just help give you a different type of exposure and you hone that into your craft and express it in your own way. And I think that's what makes D.C., you know, a really sneaky uh innovative place you know people don't think dc is a creative city till you get here and you see all the amazing things being done whether it's in music or in my field or especially in the tech scene uh, and it's just a beautiful thing to see and to be a part of it and i'm just honored to be here and and to have that challenge in my life and and to do it in a unique environment that's what's up so you just talked about the different influences especially uh the different cultural influences on the creative art scene here right but so, and often when we talk about um, influence and creativity, we think about it more in the form of like visual art or uh, music or uh, pottery, sculpture, anything like that. But you're in graphic design. Do you see? Have you do, do you see different cultural uh, influences in graphic design? Is it easy to see in graphic design as it is in other forms of art, or or you know how does that work out? You know, you know, for me, it's not even about just design, you know, because even me in my own career journey, I've evolved into so many things. You know, to me, it's all about creativity and creativity is expressed in so many different ways. You can't pigeonhole it into uh, a particular vertical anymore because our business is segmented into so many different things from technology and product design to graphic design to even the future of creative, which we can get into later, where you might not even be designing visual things. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just interesting to see how people apply creativity in different environments. And what I mean by that is if you think of New York and Madison Avenue, you think ads, you think some of the most impactful creative coming out of the United States. When you think of D.C., we have a, a multi-trillion dollar industry here called the federal government. <laughs> so you take your creativity... And you don't well, think that this, these days do we really want to call oh, it? A, man. A, 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 do we want to call it an industry? Or do we want to call it a syndicate? <laughs> it's on pause right now. I, I heard it's back, but it's we'll, back we'll do a separate podcast on that. Um, so you don't think of the federal government inherently as creative, but people apply their creativity and they come here and they find unique ways to express that. For example, FEMA recently did uh, a disaster relief training where they had a zombie attack. So that really? is a really creative way to get people engaged in something otherwise they would think is mundane and not take seriously. So creativity can be expressed in so many unique ways. And the, really, the true creatives, in my opinion, want a challenge. They want to be in an environment that doesn't inherently seem creative. They want restrictions, and they want to be able to create within those things and still produce something amazing. Uh, that is the true test of creativity. See, so, sorry. So something you just said, you said... True creatives want a challenge. You said they want to be in an environment that is restrictive. I'm going to highlight that and point that out because I've always told, so in my job, I have to find creative ways to spend government money, spend grant money around health eating, physical activity, stuff like that. You, you, as you know, me being in public health and being the doula and lactation consultant and all of that. Um, and a lot of people talk about, talk about how much, how many, how much trouble they have doing my specific role 
um, because of all the restrictions. But I, what you said kind of falls in line with what I said because a lot of people talk about ask me like, how do you do what you do? You seem to really you you know you really enjoy it. You're like really successful at it. How's it working? I said because the different rules and restrictions. It's all about perspective. I don't see those as rules or restrictions. What I see those are uh, different. I see those as different ways to force me to find different answers. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like they're a catalyst to force me to find more creative ways to spend that money or to build a sustainable infrastructure um, to put that money out in the, the community in a positive manner. And so essentially, I guess what I'm trying to say is where a lot of people see um, creativity being able to uh, to grow and thrive only in settings where there are no rules or restrictions, I'll actually place the argument that sometimes I think that uh, environments that have a lot of rules and restrictions actually foster uh, uh, more creativity because it's forcing you to do that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's taking things away from you, so it's forcing that. It's it, it's it's really pulling the, that uh, that ingenuity lever. You know what I'm saying in your brain to see exactly what you could come up with. So it's interesting that you just said that. That's a hundred percent true. And anybody who thinks we BSing them right now, uh, go find a really talented artist and give them one color to paint with. See what they do. Yeah. Any any true creative would love that challenge because you're giving them a restriction that seems like it's going to inhibit their creativity, but really it's just going to capitalize on it because now they have to actually do something innovative to still make it engaging. And that's what I mean by it's not about how you express your creativity, whether it's design or, or music or something else. It's about being creative in general, and that is a mindset that you either have or you don't. You're, you're creative or you're analytical, but it's a skill set that, that you hone and you can express it in so many different ways. And I love being in an environment where people don't inherently think our applications are creative, but because of those restrictions, we're forced to come up with creative solutions that, oh, by the way, impact and help millions of people. And that's just one example of how that's expressed and one reason I love being in this environment and having those challenges daily. All right, and you just mentioned another word um, that really jumps out. I mean, you said innovative, you know, since we talk about innovation. And a lot of people, there's a lot of uh, artists or creatives out there who, this is kind of another thing that I differ on with a lot of people too. Um, they talk about being like truly innovative, which means you have to come up with something completely new, completely different. I actually the person that argues there's, a, there's actually nothing new under the sun. Everything, every idea that we come up with is actually, um, has actually already been consciously or subconsciously influenced by something we've already seen. So it's not that it is... Uh, a, a truly original idea. It's just that you have managed to bend, break, or blend it in a way mm -hmm. that it looks different from its original form that inspired you in the first place. Give me your thoughts on that. So, there are things we disagree on. This ain't one of them. Uh, <laughs> what I mean is, there are these cliches in, in our world, and I'll break it down for you. So, innovation, to me, is a cliche for the exact reasons you expressed. Right, right. What's not is disrupting. It's, it's overused like brand, but it's not a cliche because I also believe that everything that a human being needs to function in this world, for the most part, has been invented years ago. Right. Anything else that we're doing now is just fluff. This is first world type stuff to enhance our lives or make it easier. What we really need to be focused on instead of wasting all that time and energy trying to invent something new that we don't need is finding ways that we can tackle the inefficiencies and inequalities in our life leveraging technology and creativity to improve those things that's what disrupting is so i'll give you an example you know uber's been taking a lot of heat 
right. and, and rightfully so. But let's look at it from a black perspective. I'm a black male who not too long ago couldn't get a cab in Chicago. You know what I mean? Word. So now on an app, I can order transportation with mostly without bias and get to where I need to go. That is a disruption, and believe me, that was not the intent of Uber, but that's a consequence where my life has been improved by them disrupting an industry that was inherently prejudiced towards me for many different reasons and improved my life experience. So that's my whole point is try to find something that already exists and disrupt it and improve it in a way where it actually impacts people in a better way. That's a much better use of human energy and creativity than trying to invent something that we don't need. We don't need another dating app. You know? Right. We don't need flying cars. Right. So let's find the many inefficiencies that are going on right now and improve upon them. Why can't we desalinate water in an efficient, environmentally friendly way so that we can give a a large proportion of the world that doesn't have access to clean water access to that that's something that we could be doing instead we're focusing on these moonshots that aren't practical to the daily human condition and i think that's that's really why i agree with you on that point yeah it, you know the you know this kind of that this little part of the discussion kind of reminds me of uh, something that i read so i read the book called the incidents um and essentially what it is it's the uh uh, it's the talk that Virgil Abloh gave at Harvard Design School. And he was talking about how um, when he tries to design things, he's like, we don't need another pair of shoes. You know what I'm saying? We don't need another rug. We don't need it. He said, you know, we should be designing things for like for practical reasons. Right. So he's, he's just talking about that, that, you know, that particular phrase or that thought is, is something that helps to develop uh that, that goes along with his process when he's thinking about his new, you know, projects, what he's trying to design and stuff like that. It went into his thought process when he did that big collaborative deal with Ikea. You know, he's making rugs and, you know, bookcases and chairs and mirrors and that type of deal. And so it's interesting that you brought that up. It's almost like I wonder if that's something that is just... Um, no, it's not. I'm going to correct myself because I was, I was about to say I wonder if that is something that is intuitive to creatives, but I'm going to say no, answer my own question, because there's a lot of stuff out there being created that is just, it's just garbage. Like it's, it's been, it's, it's complete, it's being completely produced just to, just to make money. It's not even being, it's not being produced for practical reasons. It is not even necessarily being produced out of an, for you know, out of an inspirational purpose. Mm -hmm. It's just solely to make money. So I just answered my own question with that. You know, that's not neither here nor there. So, Another thing I wanted to ask you about is like, <clears throat> so obviously we're in D.C. Man. We're in the political capital of our country. You know what I mean? Um, I've been here, you know, m you know, many a times now. You know what I mean? You know, I've been here down on the hill lobbying a couple of years ago. Um, I've been here for work several times. And one thing that I do know is like that you can't avoid politics here in D.C. Mm -hmm. All right. <clears throat> Once you go down, you know, you don't go down by the Capitol. You know, you're out in front of the White House, there's people protesting left and right, right? I want to know how politics influences design, or how you see politics influencing design. Mm -hmm. So so for me, it's, it's that's 100% true. This is the, the political capital of America, and you can't avoid it in D.C. as a local. Like, it is our contact sport. This is the only <laughs> place in the entire country where... 
you know, people get up at 6 a.m. and bars open early so we can watch a confirmation hearing. You know, that stuff really happens here. Right, right. And, and obviously, you know, there's there's career people here who are obsessed about that and it's important to them, but even affects just us and other industries here in D.C. You can't avoid it. I live, you know, less than a mile away from Capitol Hill where right. all that those decisions are made. So sometimes we lose consciousness of that. But here's why that's important. In this political climate of dissent, and I'm not even just talking about the current administration, I'm talking about this unprecedented level of political bickering of political differences of of lack of compromise and whether it's real or imagined like it you feel that vibe where people just don't want to work together it it only enhances creativity because every artistic movement from the 60s to even the beatniks to any moment you know you think of um some type of political right the harlem renaissance like you can go all the way back in history and it's always an answer to this same type of political discourse or prejudice or oppression i suppose that might have been sort of a a trick question because you know i went to school you know history political science and studied some art there as well and the reason i did all three of those is because um when you're studying history every you know history um uh, um you can you can trace every major event or big impact of history. You can trace it to a political decision or political event, right? And then at, during that time, the story is always told by artists, right? So this comes back to the concept of does art imitate life or life imitate art, right? And so in this case, when you're talking about design, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Uh, art is imitating life. Art is telling the story of what has been going on during these times and mm-hmm. telling the story. You know, and I believe you know, you know, several decades from now, the art that we see that is being produced right mm-hmm. now. The the design, the you know everything, the music, you know that we we you know that's being created right now is going to completely reflect, you know, the type of political strife and disagreements and stuff that we are seeing on an everyday basis here right now. I hundred percent believe that, and and the answer is it you know is it the chicken or the egg? It doesn't matter. They're symbiotic. They're related, right. and you know to me, it's 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 a, a, a it's a shame to to come to this realization, but they they need each other. And, you know, all the great artistic movements that have ever happened, like you said, are related to some sort of discourse like the times that we're in and, and will be in again. And to me, that's that's really the essence of it. And I think we have not even begin begun to see the impact of what we're creating now in order to answer this. And later on, we'll appreciate it. But I think it's a, it's a it's a positive thing because art, to me, exists for two reasons from an artist's perspective. One is therapy. It's a highly narcissistic, and I mean that in a positive way, (laughs) selfish pursuit that you create art for yourself. And if people like your art, great. If they don't, even better. Because it's not for them. It's not for for you. It's for you. It's a self-expression. And that's why a lot of artists don't even sell their work. It's about therapy. The other is just what we're touching on. It's a protest. It's an answer to something. It's a counterculture. It's never meant to be mainstream or understood. It's an answer to something. And I think that's what we're in the midst of. If seeing that type of expression, whether it's in music or creative or even the technology that's being produced, is still an answer to the political environment we're in. And you notice in time periods where there's no discourse, where there's less war, creativity suffers. It does. It's sad, but it's, it's true. I, I agree with you. I, I personally, I've, I've, you know, had discussions with people, and I've said that I truly believe we're in the midst of a renaissance because of the truly shitty political situation we're in. 
not, not just here in America. Like, I was reading The Economist the yeah. other day. We do. We got stuff going on everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Zimbabwe. Uh, uh, you know, things going on in China, Korea. Um, you know, Kenya. You know what I'm saying? There was just another, uh, you know, Al-Shabaab attack in Kenya. You know what I'm saying? Like, about maybe a little over a week or so ago. Right. You know, and, um, you know, all of that, I think... Um, it's just, like you say, it's a sign of the times. It's a sign of what's going on in the world, you know what I'm saying, that we're dealing with right now. And because of that, I also, you know, read, you know, art magazines, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I read, um, uh, shucks, what is that, what is that magazine called? I'm drawing a blank right now. But I read different art magazines. I read business magazines, you know what I'm saying? Entrepreneur, uh, Inc., you know, you know, different things like that. You know what I'm saying? I read fashion magazines. You know me. You know, I read the Vogue. I read the GQ, all of that. And it seems like right now, many different, like, people are in, are in an innovative fervor right now. If they're in a creative fervor, whether for good or for bad, whether to, you know, compl- you know, just, you know, express themselves, create it, you know, create it creatively, or whether it be for, 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 for reasons for greed, just to make more money and capitalize of a, somebody else's misfortune, you can tell people's creative juices are flowing and their brains are going in overdrive right now. You know, even with myself, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got like, I mean, I always got a lot of stuff going on, but I feel like I got like 20, 30 projects going on at once yeah. that, that I have to literally like, you know, you look at my laptop, dude, I literally have a folder with a spreadsheet in it, you know, with all my projects in there mm-hmm. and my notes as far as where I am in the process of getting these things complete because there's so much going on. Like I need to, I have need to have it in order and know what the hell I'm doing. Right. You know, it's where it's going. And I got random notes, you know, written down everywhere for ideas that I have for different things. So, I mean, I definitely think that this, the the type of, you know, I, I do think it's negative energy. Um, but the type of negative negative energy flowing around the world right now is definitely putting people's brains in overdrive, man. And the, my only hope is that we can come out of this situation, move past this, move into a more positive light with things. But we're able to still appreciate all the beautiful art, the beautiful projects, the beautiful, you know what I'm saying, businesses, ideas or whatever that have, you know, um, been 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 nurtured and just kind of grew out of this this time period, this era. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I hope that we look back on this era with some progress, not just great art. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, you know, time will only tell with that. It depends on how we as individuals handle all of that right now. I mean, uh-huh. so. I feel that. Yeah. So, t- you know what I'm saying? Tell me a little bit more about your city, man. Um, you know, what's... Uh, you and I both are kind of like... We're, we're food people. You know yeah, what I mean? We yeah, love yeah. to find the new spots, mm-hmm. new great food and stuff like that. Tell me some of your 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 uh, your most favorite food you know food joints around here. I see. Uh, you're going to put me on the spot. Um, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot, man. But, man, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if anyone wants to hate on me on this, but D.C. food scene ain't, ain't so great. Like what I mean by that is, uh, it's it's not New York. It's not some of these other culinary cities. Um, but it's not. I think the Twin Cities is getting up there, man. That, well, that's what I'm I'm saying. Like I was expecting to come from a smaller market to DC and, and think you know it it would it would be a, a level up. But but what DC is doing because of all that international flavor that's going on here is you have that option where you can go anywhere and get any type of food that you need. Like me, I'm on I'm on. The, the, the Northeast Corridor, you know, by Union Station, all the way to, like, Benning Avenue. What was that Indian spot we went to the, la- the last time I was here? Uh, so, that's Indigo. 
Indigo. That spot was dope. So Indigo's on Third Street uh, in Northeast. Shout out to Indigo. Like yeah. I live there. <laughs> um, but you, you, it's it's really about those hole in the wall spots, you know. As, as we like to say in the immigrant community, you know, good yeah. food, bad service. That's really what I'm about. I'm not about this fancy food. And when I'm criticizing DC, that's what I'm talking about. There's there's a lot of swing joints. I, you know, that's that's not food to me. They're taking those concepts and they're and they're just charging you more and taking the flavor out. So I'm really about those hole in the wall spots, you know. And even those kind of cool neighborhood bars, you know. I, I live on Eighth Street, so. On Eighth Street, we have we don't have restaurants. We got bars that serve food, <laughs> but some of the best food I've had in the city is is at these bars, like Copycat Co. Um, if you go there, did I did I go there? Yeah, I went we there went, one before. Okay. That's the one with it, at like two or three levels, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no way you come to DC and hang out with me. We don't go to Copycat Co. They got these skewers. And 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 pot stickers and all these things that that are just and a they complimentary. Was the old school jams. That's there my too. point. It's so like the eighties and nineties jams there. It's funny when you have a good environment and a good vibe and food is authentic. Like how much better it tastes. Just it's not even just about true the aesthetic environment. And I just I because I'm in the industry. Let me clarify all the hate uh, that's coming <laughs> my way right now from all my DC friends. I'm in the industry, so I see through all the BS. You know, I see through all the aesthetics, the fancy menus, the the interiors. I see through all that because I create those things. Yeah. So I evaluate things just You're based on. You're helping to develop the illusion. That's my point. Yeah. And I I know the lies behind it. So <laughs> you can't you can't trick my taste buds. So I, I'm all about the authentic food, and DC has a whole lot of that, but it gets drowned out by all this trying to be you know. Fancy New York, um, you know, five star, small plates, big prices, stuff that I just don't think holds up. And when what DC does well is take advantage of the diversity of the community. I'm not even talking international. You got people from all over America here who, That's who true. come it's here. Like everybody's almost. It's it's it's. I would be I would be surprised if the transplant number here were below fifty percent. Was below fifty percent. I, I can't put any statistics to it, but it certainly feels that way. So, and right. and and DC, even you know, for the locals, it has its own flavor. Like y- y'all haven't lived till you've had some chicken wings with mumbo sauce. You know, with what sauce? That's that's what I said. <laughs> then I then I tried it, and I started putting it on everything. But you know, you came at me a couple years too late. You know, I got out the meat game. I, that's on you, man. I got you though. <laughs> But I'm just saying, like, what what I love is just exploring a new city that has its own flavor, and you know, it, you know, from the food to the music, the go-go music. You know, I've been yeah. getting into that. Like, DC has its own flavor. So even beyond the international stuff, I'm talking about people don't even get to see this. Yeah. Like, DC is so dope and rich in history and and culture that you know it just gets drawn out by these chains and these people trying to be inauthentic and 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 bougie. I'm just yeah. gonna say it. I can dig it. I I really enjoyed that Union Market where I went there. Matter of fact, Union Market. So when we went to when we went to that music festival over in Union Market, um, what was that? What, what was that festival called? Festival called All Things Go. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it was what a summer ago maybe. Yeah, yep, like a summer ago. Yo, that was the first time I had a sushi burrito, <laughs> and I went in on that shit, dude. I went in on that. that. That's on you. That's too much for me. Like I love sushi, but. Don't put in a burrito, <laughs> dude. I, I dude, that was one of the best things I had. 
Damn. It was expensive as hell. It was like $15, 15 hey, 16 bucks. I hope you got your money worth. But I did. I heard. I ain't complaining. Matter of fact, when I when I got back to the cities, dude, I was trying to find a spot that uh, um that had them. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm definitely no complaints to me with that. I enjoyed Chinatown. Chinatown was dope. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um going to uh going to the Wizards game. You know what I mean? Got to watch the, you know what I'm saying? Watch my Knicks play there. That was dope. You know what I mean? I DC's become like, I mean, DC's like a second little home for me, man. You know what I mean? So, the only thing is, it's so damn expensive. Yeah, you ain't lying. You ain't lying. But you know, it's 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 like the sad part is everything you're talking about. People rarely see. They come to DC. It's for their work. They're on the hill. Or they're in the hotels, or they're here Yo, for their monuments. Yo, got a lot of working poor here too, man. We do. There's a lot of there's, there's a lot, lot of homeless things. people on the street. There's a lot of actually got jobs. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, but, but nobody sees the real DC when you come visit. You have to live here to really appreciate it. And unfortunately, you just mentioned how expensive it is. The real DC is disappearing. You know, it's being replaced by this generic, gentrification. you know, gentrified version of itself. And that and it's not unique to D.C. by any means. That's happening back in Minneapolis. It's happening everywhere. I just yeah, mean that it, it's sad sure. that people, you know, don't even realize, like, Duke Ellington is from here. Frederick Douglass has yeah. a house in, in southeast in Anacostia where, where not enough people go. And how amazing that community is. That's one of the hubs of the creative scene here is Anacostia, this place that people told me when I got here to avoid. Matter of fact, doesn't uh, isn't there like a school for, for performing arts named after Duke Ellington? Yeah, yeah. Dave Chappelle went to it, right? That's exactly. That's what I thought. Yeah, and it's it's crazy, man. I mean, you're right. Like the gentrification is taking over. You're seeing like the um, the quote unquote IKEA lofts pop up here, like they popping up everywhere. It is. And you know what I mean, I also feel like that's a subtle. That's like a subtle. Uh, the fact that you're seeing them pop up in so many different places, it's like a subtle. Um, Reminder or, or or like giving us notice too about the um, the overpopulation that's going on. I don't think people are seeing that enough. Like there's almost you know you go into some cities and they're erecting a lot of these you know apartment com or condo complexes up so close together that dude there's almost like it feels like there's no green space some places. And I can't. I'm, I'm a person. I can't do that. Like that's why I think. Like I enjoy New York City. But I don't think I can ever live there because I don't feel like there's any green space. Unless you go into like a Central Park or something like that, dude, there's no green space. I would go nuts. Now, I'm not a type of person who wants to go live out in the country, go live out in the woods. None of that type of deal. You know what I mean? But I need to see some green somewhere. You know what I mean? I need to see some trees, some grass, some yards. I can't just be, I can't, I'm not the concrete jungle type. You know what I mean? No, I feel you, and you know that that word gentrification is a loaded word that has a lot of ramifications and controversies and, and delicacies to it. We're not going to get into it, but the reason I mention that word very intentionally is that it's a very dangerous proposition here in D.C. Because unlike those other cities that you mentioned, D.C. can't grow. D.C. has True. a height restriction. D.C. is a small city. Yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a little smaller than San Francisco, but it can't grow up like other cities like can. Like other cities can, So yeah. when things get expensive, it's pushing people out literally because there's there's no more place to build or grow up where we can build more affordable housing and complexes to accommodate these people. So they just get pushed out. And, and that's really sad and dangerous and why it's especially a volatile subject here in D.C. is that uh, because of that limitation and why it's sensitive to me. Do you think the bubble's going to burst soon? I don't know. 
You know, and, what, it's, and when it does, what do you think is going to happen? It's market by market. You know, if if you remember the last housing bu- bubble, you know that devastated places like you know L.A. and the Midwest and all these other places. But in places like New York and D.C., it's based on real things like lack of space and people wanting to move there. Right. So that's beyond a bubble. So you have to really look at it from market to market. But all I know is even if the bubble bursts in any sort of capacity, it's not going to be enough where it's affordable for for me. You know, or or for for the the, the people who uh, I'm managing. You know, I'm thinking about the next generation. Right. It's not even a, a, a reality for them to even dream about that. So you notice how they've subtly taken home ownership out of the American dream. Yeah, everybody's renting now. You know, everybody's renting now. So th- that's my my concern is even if it does go down, it won't be enough to make it a practical reality for a lot of people. And that was supposed to be the cornerstone of the American dream, and it's being rewritten. And it's sad because we're already burdened by so much student debt and other debt. And even the home ownership is not even a reality, even if the prices were affordable because of these other factors. So you add that on top and you have an entire generation lost from the cornerstone of of financial elevation in this country. And that's a really dangerous thing. Well, you know, a lot of people say that American dream was never meant for us anyway. So it's just like. Are we necessarily even missing out, or should we look to create? We should. We should we look to create our own American dream? You know what I mean, like an African American dream. Like what? What? What should? What should that blueprint look like for us? You know what I'm saying. I know for one, it, I do. If you're gonna ask me, I do think it needs to be in some type of ownership. You know, if not property, um, it's got to be businesses. I mean, financial literacy is a must. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, if you look at, for instance, you look at the tax codes, um, a lot of people don't understand. When it, I, I believe, you know, financial literacy needs to be one of the number one things that we need to have in our communities. All right? Communities of color. Uh-huh. Amongst that type of thing is, like, learning about the tax code. It's something that I'm beginning to try to teach myself about and learn about. Because it can be a confusing uh, compu- confusing topic or subject uh, to delve into. But when you look at it, you know, look at it from the big picture, you know, uh, standpoint, you know, uh, the, one of the reasons that we haven't, you know, as people of color gotten risen to prominence is, you know, we don't understand things like the tax code. Like the tax code is written for property owners and business owners. You know, there's a reason like somebody like Mitt Romney, you know, um, um, paid less taxes than somebody making $40,000 a year. And he's a multimillionaire. You know what I mean? They understand that that, that 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 those loopholes. They understand the tax code. They own things. And I think if um, if if people of color, if we really want to rise out of the you know the situation, the positions we are, we're going to have to do that. Now, I'm not saying that that is super simple. You know, I understand that we're fighting against you know structural racism and uh, things like that, and there are different uh, systems that are you know geared against us. But we got to figure a way out because it's one thing that I do know about my people, man. We are very we we are genius, you know what I'm saying? We do have that ingenuity and creativity. You know what I mean? We have made time and time and time again we have made something out of nothing. I just want to finally get to the point to where we don't have to make something out of nothing. Where we're making something out of something yep. and then we're passing that down on generation generationally to our children, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100% on that and I think that's that's working together, you know. Sometimes we're all in our grind and we're just all about ourselves and getting ours and then coming back, but we got to work together. 
And, you know, part of that, just like you touched on, is, edu- is education. And what I'm, I don't mean traditional education. I mean preventing that ignorance that you talked about where, where there is uh, – there's a system that isn't giving you the full story. What right. I mean by that is imagine if you're uh, a longtime homeowner here in D.C., back when nobody desired your neighborhood, you've already paid it off, and now people are moving in and things are looking good. Home values are going up. You think but that's so a good the, thing. But so your tax rate, and they, right. and they basically tax you out of your house. You 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 can you can afford the mortgage, but you can no longer afford the taxes, so you still put out of your place. Right. And that's part of one thing that I've been trying to teach people back in the Twin Cities, you know, in my communities with projects we work with, that you need to be involved when these corporations and stuff are coming in, you know, when they're having these town hall meetings and you don't attend, when they, these corporations are moving in, buying mm-hmm. our property and, you know, adding stores and stuff like that. You need to know about community benefit, benefits agreements right. and stuff like that. So that that doesn't happen to you. So that you can negotiate that if these companies are going to come in building things up on, you know, and raising up the property values, that, you know, you can't be taxed out of your home. So that your tax rate is grandfathered into that. So that whatever property they build in there, the jobs are promised to people in the community. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Jobs are promised to people in the community. Or that some of those businesses that are, you know, in that neighborhood that are brought up by a lot of these corporations right. or whatever, you know, making deals that some of them have to be uh, uh, owned by. Some of those businesses need to be run by people in the community. There are different ways around it, but it's about us educating ourselves on them and being active, you know, being active, you know what I'm saying, being motivated yeah. to do something about it. But also acting on it. So True. it's one thing to talk about it, but, you know, do something about it. Run for office. Run for your local community office. And, and, and do something about it. Even if you feel like it's futile, at least you are showing that you're not going to do anything. If there's one thing I don't like is people who talk and, and don't do anything. Word, so word. if you truly believe in, in improving your community and, and stopping some of these things, like run for something. And, and just set an example that, you know, we're going to do whatever we can to help influence that policy. Because it's not just about education it's also about stopping policies that are detrimental to our development and sometimes we get advocates in the community that help us in that pursuit but nobody's going to advocate for ourselves more than ourselves and when we have those candidates we need to support them right right. and when they are elected they need to be held accountable for the things that they were put in office to do and that's to support our causes so it's it's really about each community taking responsibility for the things that are hurting their communities and getting engaged uh, through the right channels and politics to actually help influence and change that policy. Because until that happens, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much education you have. At the end of the day, those policies exist to benefit other people and not necessarily you. And I mean that as, from a human perspective. Right. Are you have you, are you getting tied into the? Uh to your, um, I guess your local uh, local scene very much, either politically. I know you are um, professionally, um, but kind of how's that going for you? Like, how are you, how are you kind of intertwining yourself with the community into the city, or did you just kind of come here? Are you still kind of getting your feet wet, learning the city, and just focus on the grind right now? Yeah. So let me just, you know, counter myself. You know, the second thing I hate is people who don't understand a community coming in and telling that community what they should or shouldn't do right. or what their situation is. So for me, it's in these first couple of years, it's really observing, just understanding the community because there's so many layers to the D.C. community. And that's even going back historically.
quickly. Right. So how can you act and and say and do certain things if you don't really understand that dynamic? So I'm trying to understand what DC's been, uh, where it's going, you know, and and especially in this in this new political reality, how that's going to affect my future here and my willingness to be an engaged member of this community and how I can apply all of my skills and professional development and and intellect into helping my community. And that really starts from a local perspective. And if you know everybody knows anything about me, I'm all about my neighborhood. Yeah. I, that's what I, I shop in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm at the bars in my neighborhood. I'm I'm hyping my neighborhood like I'm getting paid to do it. And I'm not because I believe in in Whatever action you need to take has to happen at a local level first. Yeah, yeah. Keep that money in the neighborhood. Exactly. Keep that money locally. And then you can expand your ambitions from there, but you really have to focus on locally. And there's no statute on that. You don't have to be there for 10 years, you know, to shop at your local store. Right. You know, to, to, you know, start a neighborhood watch to to talk to your local political representatives about the things going on in your neighborhood that 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 you don't like and that you want to improve that that are being neglected, and that's what it's really about is each person taking civic pride and being engaged at a local level. And if all of us did enough of that, those problems would start solving themselves. I can dig it. Yeah, I can dig it. Man, so how are you with the sports scene here, man? Because I know you, oh, you, you were tied in. You know, you were tied in with the, you know, the Minneapolis and St. Paul sports scene, pretty, you know, pretty decent. You know, what I'm saying when you were before you moved down here, man. What y'all looking like down here? I, I know the Wiz ain't looking that good. You know, I know the Redskins ain't looking that good. It ain't, they ain't look good for a while. Um, the Nationals, yeah, yeah. The Caps, y'all can roll with that. You know what I mean? Because y'all won the, y'all won the cup. You know what I'm saying a year ago, but at the same time, you ain't a hockey guy. So you know, hey, how you, you know, reconcile? It, it don't matter. I come from from Minneapolis, where our teams ain't much better. You know, <laughs> to be honest. So, and and I love this city so much that I get caught up in this whole sports hoopla here. You know, whether it's right. the Redskins or or even when the uh, the Capitals won, uh, I was out of the country, but I heard the city blew up, and it wasn't about. I like hockey. I don't like hockey. I follow this team. just happy somebody from the city won. It's about D.C. pride. It's about their story. You know, their story and the struggle of D.C. sports is very much like that of the people. You know, where they had been so good for so long and just not quite getting there. Not quite getting there. You know? So for them to break through was was everything. And and if you give the timing... To you know the the political environment going on right now, like it was really just a celebratory moment for the entire city to just celebrate something, and it brought all kinds of walks of life together, and it was just a beautiful thing. And to see Alice Ovechkin celebrate he was drunk for like three months straight, dude. Celebrate every time they see we were all him. We were all him Man. in that moment. I remember watching the news sometimes, and they would just randomly zoom in on some random baseball game in the upper deck, and he was there with the cup cheering. Drunk. Like, (laughs) you got to respect that passion, and that man's worked so hard. You know, and that of his always team being to told that he was second best. Right. He came in same time with Sidney Crosby. That's my point. Crosby had what Crosby got what three, four cups. That's my Michigan point. Michigan had never won that. He'd always had the title, yeah. never winning a big one. Like, you know, what I'm saying like you know Barkley or Patrick Ewing in the NBA, they always get inside with never winning a big one. Despite, in my opinion, being a more talented hockey player, so it wasn't even about hockey. Yeah, it was about him finally breaking through and the team finally breaking through. And just through. being like, damn, we got one. We got one. 
I can dig that. You know what I'm saying? We should have had many, but we, we got one. And, and that's that's what it's really about. And I, honestly, I felt the same way about the Cubs. You know, um, you know, Chicago's close to my heart. You know, I, I love that. So anytime, you know, when New Orleans won in, I think, 09, that's my team, you know, as well. Like, I felt that way about a lot of places and I just felt DC deserved that and needed that and it was a beautiful thing so I'm not even talking about the other teams right now <laughs> that that's we're still in that kind of hangover from that and it's just a beautiful thing and I hope you know maybe it'll inspire the other teams to to not do what they're doing what's up with the music scene man because you know the people are always talking about how the DMV be putting out you know what I'm saying dope musicians or whatever but you know being in Minneapolis it's like mm-hmm. mm, Minneapolis is known for that too, you know. What I mean, and I, to be honest with you, only only the cats I feel like I know uh, from this area that I really listen to is uh, Chaz. I can't even remember his last name. Chaz something, and then Goldlink. Goldlink's yeah. dope. You know, what I mean, I, I I like how his music. You can tell his, his and, and, you know, his beats and stuff. There's a little bit of that go go music inspired in some of his music. Yeah. But um, supposedly, you know, what I mean, this the DC scene, you know, DM, the D, or the DMV area, music's supposed to be popping off with, with local cats. Is that true? I believe it is. Like, I mean, one thing I, I appreciate is, uh, you know, every time I go out, um, and I don't go out that often anymore. But when I do, like the the DJ seem to support that. You know, I hear That's a lot of up. things when I'm out in DC that I, I haven't heard anywhere else, and I know that because it's it's local. So they have a lot of pride. No in, crabs in a barrel type stuff. Right. That's what I'm saying, and I appreciate up, that. So even if they're not big, like here they're big, and that's all that matters. And then you got groups like you know Gold Link that that really blew up, and you know these dudes, uh, they make like really philosophical music what i mean is there's got layers to it you yeah. know their melodies you know their verses everything about them is it has its own swag about it they're not just trying to copy this this drake mumble rapping type of template they're actually trying to do something different well you know i've never been that. a fan of his well you know i'm not gonna get in on drake right now but you know <laughs> I, I also you know what people don't realize is like you know the dc scene has been relevant for a long time you know wale's from here I did not. Yeah, he's from the DMV. So, you know, I a lot of people say, you know, things about the DC music scene out of ignorance, not realizing that a lot of really prominent acts came out of here. And let not don't let me oh, get Oh, never into mind, it. never mind, never mind. I thought you was talking about our boy Wale. No, no, no. I know, no. The, I know the rapper That's Wale. That's what I'm saying. He's from here. Yeah, I thought you was talking about our boy. For, so, no, Wale my bad, out. my bad audience. I was confused. We got a we got a homie named Wale too. Back in the Twin Cities, so that's why I was like, "What? Wale's from here?" No, no, Wale. He's happening. He's a talented dude. He's a talented artist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, when I say artist. artist, different type of artist. So I got those confused. I I, I didn't know Wale the rapper, yeah. the rapper is from here. Another cat I was talking about, Chaz French. Yeah, that's what I was Chaz talking French, about. Chaz yeah. French. Uh, don't even, don't let me even get in on the jazz scene here. You know, and that goes back a hundred years. So, you know, it's just. Everybody's got pride about their their particular city and, and wants to be ignorant about others. But there's there's a dope scene going on here, man. And that's what's up. You know, I'm sure it'll continue. That's what's up, man. What else about uh, being here has really kind of grabbed you and, and made you fall in love with it? Hmm. Um. Because you know we miss you back in the city. No, I feel we we hey, still waiting your arrival when no, you no. just gonna text the text the crew and let us know when you're moving back. No, don't don't get it twisted. Like I <laughs> I, I love. 
I, I love my adopted hometown of, of, of Minneapolis and everything about that. Like my my whole my whole heart is there. But because right now it's just me bumping back and forth between I'm back and forth between here. It seems like I've been back and forth right. between here and Minneapolis, here and Minneapolis. Hey, we we appreciate that. So um, I'm. The thing about DC, and and I have to get into, back into my professional life to to explain it, but there's a there's a buzz and energy here. You know, I feel like if you had the option, you got the right catalyst to get you going here. It's not even about that. It's like if you had the option of going back in time to Queens, Brooklyn, in 1985. You know, at at that inflection point of hip hop, who wouldn't want to do that? True. You know what I mean? So you saying that's what it's like for creatives here right now? No, let me let me clarify that statement before I get hate. Okay. What I mean by that <laughs> is is DC's underground right now when it comes to what I do. Okay. It, it it's it's almost downright being disrespected. Okay. But there's a huge creative energy going on here in all kinds of aspects, and you know people will say things like DC's not a a creative town, it's not a tech town, yet it's probably the third biggest tech market in America, and that feeds creative. So there's an energy going on here, and it's about to blow up. Amazon's coming here. And you just want to be know, here for these, it when it happens. I'm, I'm already here. So yeah, I, I want to be in the beginning of something. I want to help start something. I'm not going to be one of those people moving to Silicon Valley now. You know, yeah. I want to be there back in the 80s and 90s in the garage. Yeah. That's the type of cat I am. So that's the energy that's here, and that's why I really enjoy what what we're building here in this community where when DC blows up and everybody's here for that reason, like it's too late. You're going to want to come back to Minneapolis though. Of when course. You, when I, when I, when I finish building what I'm building, you can, you, and you already know the kind of, some of the details about right. it. When I finish building what I'm building. You're going to want to come back. No doubt. I'm just letting you know, I, I I'm only going to be there for six months out of the year. <laughs> Let me make that clear. I'm from Africa. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not built for that weather anymore. So I, I, that will always be my home here in the United States. But, uh, you know, that winter, man. I know. You know there ain't enough, enough Vaseline in America man. to let me survive that. I don't miss it either, man. I'm, you know what? Like I said, I'm glad I'm sitting here right now because they're getting smashed. You know what I mean? Right. They're getting smashed up there at the moment with that, you know what I'm saying, those below zero temps. And, you know, I actually heard there was snow, too. You know, the other day. And then the crazy thing is, like, you know, sometimes it gets so cold over there that it can't snow. It's too cold to snow. Like, yeah. whoever heard of that? You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I ain't mad at but you, But that's bro. why Minneapolis is so hyper-creative. You got those, you got that hardship. So, we all locked in for six months, and we just create, and we do dope things. And, and that's why I love that place, and I, I stayed there for so long, and, and always will be back. So, you know, you already know. Yeah, and, and you're right. They do have that fair share of creators. You know what I'm saying? Remember Rob from the, you know what I'm saying? When you was back, when we went to, what's that, uh, Parlor, uh, right. down by the Loop. Yeah, yeah. Dude, Rob, that, that, that was there, the muralist or whatnot. Right. I'm actually connecting with him, you know what I'm saying, a That's week or up. two. And, he, you know what I'm saying, interviewing him as well, you know what I mean? Just kind of learn more about his projects and, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, like pick his brain about the stuff he does. But, you know, all of that. You know, being around other creatives, you know, it does it does nothing but breeds creativity. So I can't wait, man, because it's just like, you know what I got in the works. And, you know, I, I feel what you're saying, because being here, like I've taken a couple of notes so far since, you know, being here the past couple of days um, and just been taking notes and, you know, jotting down ideas for, you know, the project I'm working on and, you know, just 
viewing the landscape. I'm just excited, man. Right. And um, so I can dig it, man. I understand you wanting to be in the focal point of something great about to explode, and I don't blame you, man. I, You know, I would want to do the same. I would definitely want to do the same, man. That's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, man, I appreciate you, you know what I'm saying, taking the time out. Come come rap with me out here, you know what I mean? Uh, we got, well, we still we, we still got those potential big plans to go to France in a year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward I'm to looking that, forward too. To that. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be a time, you know what I mean? Um, that'll be a, that'll be a, a awesome time. It's a lot of, there's a funny ass backstory and stuff with it, but that'll be great. And, um, yo, man, I'm just appreciative that, you know what I'm saying? You come through, jump on the mics with me. You know, it's been a long time coming. You know what I mean? You my guy, you know what I'm saying? But this guy's essentially my best friend right here, you know? So every time I see him, I don't even think about, yo, let's sit down, let's rap, let's do business or yo, let's sit down, let's get on the mics as always. What you doing? Where you at? I'm coming to get you. We're going out. Matter of fact, that's why we're about to cut this episode, you know what I'm saying, in this episode here in a couple minutes. We're about to hit the town here in downtown D.C., you know what I mean, have some fun before I head back uh, to the cities once more, you know. And then, I, I, you know, I'm doing a lot of traveling lately. I'll be back in the cities, Twin Cities, for a week. And then I'm leaving there, and I'm going to be back and be in Nashville, Tennessee, for a week for that. And uh, I'm, you know, going to be getting some interviews while I'm down in Nashville, too. So I, I'm definitely loving this traveling podcast thing. You know, that's for damn sure. I'm you know what I mean? And, um, as for, matter of fact, I feel like I started it with Jean, but I feel like you kind of egged both of us on into jumping in and doing a podcast thing, too. Uh, no doubt. I mean, what people don't realize is like, we we did this Friday. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is how we talk. We we get into everything, <laughs> everything, and nothing is is sacred. And that's just how how we talk. And and Will, my dude over here, is he's a philosopher. You know what I mean by that is a philosopher very inherently is somebody who questions their world, and that's why we get along. And all our friends are that way. So when yeah, we see we've always been that way. We question it. It's not about answers all the time. It's just like, why is it that way? Let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Sometimes we agree, we don't. So it was a natural thing for you to do this, and I'm just happy and honored to be a part yeah. of it and to get engaged. But this is what you were born to do, man. Yeah, I mean, you've always been in my corner, though, especially with you know, the different creative processes that I'm going through. I mean, when I started blogging, you were the one who egged me off. I had never thought about it. You're like, dude, you need to write a blog. And you know what I'm saying? I haven't written it in a long time because I've been so into the podcasting right. thing. But I still got it up. It's still up and running. I plan on writing it again. And, you know, that, uh, the, the you know, the project that I've been alluding to on the podcast that for my own funny little superstitious type reasons, I won't quite say what it is until it's, you know, fully fleshed out, developed, and uh, and, and rolled out to everybody. Um, you know, I'm going to have that under that that brand, that label, that, that you know what I'm saying, that um, that umbrella as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, man, you, you, you've definitely been one who's been, you know, been on my corner when it comes to different projects and that I've been engaged in and different, you know, creative endeavors I've jumped into. So it was only natural that for once, you know what I'm saying, when the time came, you know, as soon as I knew I was going to be coming back down here again, you know, I knew I was bringing the mics, bringing the, you know what I'm saying, bringing the, the, the laptop and everything and saying, yo, jump on this recording with me and, and let's put an episode out, man, before we get out, you know, and, and enjoy a night on the town. Hey, no doubt. Anytime. Uh, it's been fun. I appreciate it. Oh, and, yeah. Um, you know, I'll be back again in a couple months, man, like always. So, you know what I'm saying? I told you, you let me know when's best available and that ticket's oh, yeah. being booked. Oh, yeah. And I'm back out here again and then you coming back through and then, man, 
you know, so it's 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 whatever. We we still got the guy strip to play in too, though. You know what I'm saying? Right, it's I'm like right. a crew. It's like eight and nine of us. You know, and we take we we you know what I'm saying we do a guy ship every couple of years. I actually missed the last one. You know what I mean? Because I was being, I was you know I wasn't being a I wasn't being a knucklehead. Actually, that's right after I had went through that serious right, illness, and then all my money was going to the bills and all that type of stuff. So. Um, but I, and that was in London. I missed that. And just to show y'all how these cats are, they teased me about it the whole time when they got back, uh, stateside, talking about how much fun they had, all the different things they did, and all this wish you were there type stuff. So they knew I was going to hate it. But this next one I ain't missing, man. So that, that mission accomplished then. You're right. You're right. What was we talking about anyway? Was it Toronto? Well, you know, I ain't planning this one. Oh, that's right. Paul is. That's right. So we we'll stay tuned. <laughs> Paul is planning that one. So I, well, yeah, that's the best part. Is he, he, <laughs> you he's never know somebody else takes happen. over, and we don't know what's going to happen. But you know, it's it's about you know we got to be on him though. You know, he disappears sometimes. We will, we will. But you know, it don't even matter where we go. It's about you know brothers we hanging out, boys. and and our best nights were the nights we stayed in and just just. Talked and and debated stuff and and just vibed, you know what I mean. So yeah. it's just I've learned to never take those moments with with your homies for granted. So that's yeah. that's all it is, making those that's moments. For sure, exactly, because everybody's making moves and it and it gets difficult to get everybody together sometimes. Right. So people got families and and you know people people blowing up. So we gotta we gotta do what we do can. Do what it do. Do what right. it do. Yeah. So yo, I appreciate you guys tuning in. This has been another episode of Chill Time is Will Time with my good friend. Big Vince over here talking about D.C., the D.C. creative scene, politics, everything. Just You just sat through with a normal Friday night conversation with me and this guy. But we're going to let y'all go as we go down, hit up Capitol, you know, gallivant around Capitol Hill, kick it around downtown uh, D.C. Um, you guys already know, if you have any type of comments, questions, anything like that, send me an email to chilltimepod at gmail.com. Um, let me know what you think. You want to be a part of the podcast? Want to be interviewed? Tell me something that you want to debate me about. Something you don't, you don't, you know, something you don't like about the podcast. You know, you want to inter- be, be interviewed? Tell me about what you do for your profession. As always, chilltimepod at gmail.com. Also, we're available on any platform that you listen to podcasts on. Whatever platform you do listen to me on, jump on there and give me a rating. Let everybody know how much you enjoyed the episodes. Um, it's the easiest way to let everybody else know about the podcast so they can find us. Also, record, you know, do do me a favor, recommend me to all your peers out there. If you're listening, I'm assuming you like it. Let everybody else know you like it. Once again, this has been Chill Time is Will Time. I'm your host, William Moore. That's what's up. I'm Vince. Appreciate it. And we out of here.
Twitch channel.